BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here with BeastNet and on uh, today's episode, we're back with Megan. Um, Megan, how are you doing? I am doing great. How have you been? I've been good. Been uh, training hard, trying to get ready for the, the triathlon. So I actually joined um, a gym just because there's multiple ones around here and they have pools. Oh, awesome. So oh, perfect. Well, and that was my thing because most places I was going, it was like you had certain times for lap swim and that was it. Yep. So in these gyms, it's pretty much the lap pool is open anytime the gym's open and you don't have to go at specific times because they don't do anything but lap swim in it. So I can just go as long as the gym's open, I can go and do lap swimming because we know we've oh, talked about awesome. swim is my biggest issue right now that I'm yep. really working for. And it's a little over a month before uh, my, my first Olympic triathlon. So. Oh, yikes. Are you getting nervous? A little bit, a little bit. I've been, you know, one of the things we were going to talk about today is the the injury and when to push through mm-hmm. and when to kind of, you know, try and work on it. And I've been having I have a calf right now my my left calf it keeps giving me a twinge and it's kind of like at that that spot where you're kind of like okay do I is it bad enough I need to step back for a minute or is it just something I need to push through and like we were just talking about before we hit record is that is a hard thing to come through is to come up to that especially someone like me who I'm used to just there's pain I've destroyed half of my body like throughout my life so there's always going to be pain when I do anything so but at what point does that pain become okay I need to step back and let my body heal so that I can continue to go forward definitely and let me ask you this because I know you've had you know foot things in in the past do you have flat feet um no I don't have flat feet. Well, okay. That's a weird question. (laughs) I don't naturally have flat feet, but my left foot is flatter than it used to be because of the damage that I did to it. Cause I, like I said, I mean, I I crushed it, you know, six years ago and it's flatter, wider and shorter than it used to be. Okay. So. So compensation from that left foot could be causing the right side to be overactive. And one thing, a lot of people, kind of always assume is the problem when they're talking about foot ankle calf stuff is that any kind of calf pain you know cramping whatever else is coming from the calf tightness but in all reality we people actually their shins are way tighter than their calves are and if their shin is so incredibly tight to where like you're holding your foot in like a severe flexion, your calf is getting overstretched. So it might actually be your shins that are over firing, holding that flexion. That's putting too much pressure onto your calves. So if you try to stretch your calves, it might actually be aggravating it a little bit worse when really you just need to like, like work more of the pointing the toe action and stretching mm-hmm. out your shin muscles. That, that's very possible. I mean, cause like I said, I mean, I've been training hard for triathlons, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of biking and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's different movements with my calves and, and yeah. my shoes that I'm not used to. So, and I wear different shoes depending on what I'm doing. And, you know, yep. that's one thing I noticed is I noticed it after I ran while wearing the shoes that I use for the bike rather than, you know, which they're not like clip-ins or anything. They're normal shoes. It's just, they fit the pedals better than my other ones. So they're better mm-hmm. for, you know, my running shoes don't really fit though. It sounds weird. My wife's like, really, you need like four pair of shoes to do one race. I'm like, pretty much, but 
you know, and it's just, yeah. So, and I wore those while I was running and afterwards I noticed the calf and I think it might be more of just wrong shoe, but then it's like, how much did I do? How bad is it? Yeah. You know, I just keep getting every once in a while a weird twinge when I step and I'm like, oh, please don't do turn into a bad twinge. So, yeah. I always just say, you know, make sure you're stretching your shins, stretch your calves, get the full like 360 degree around your ankle joint. You're fine. Right. Um, that should hopefully help correct everything, hopefully. Well, and it's one of those things is um, most people who know me know one of the things I'm really, really bad about is stretching. I, mm-hmm. I love yoga, but I'm not really good at doing it unless I have someone there going, get into this pose, do this pose. Otherwise, I'm just like, hey, I like the like, you know, what is it? Child's pose and then take a nap. Yep. Um, it, so it's funny that you say you're so bad at stretching because that was actually part of why um, this topic like popped into my head because a couple weeks ago I had somebody reach out who like found me because everybody was referring me through all of the different Spartan groups. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've talked about it before. Like I'm not the coach who really wants to like build programs for the first time racer because it's you know their mindset might be a little different from what I'm used to like if if you want my help and it's your first time like I have plenty of programs go take a look at those like shoot me a text I can help you adapt them to your abilities but more times than not um, I I want to work with clients that have a little stronger foundation so then I can push them a little bit harder. And this guy very much um, starting from scratch. I wrote up a program for him. I sent him a bunch of mobility work and he messages me back. He's like, I'm doing the mobility and oh my gosh, this is a workout in and of itself. And like, I get that all the time. So I'm joking it off. I'm like, haha, yeah, well, a warm up should get the body warm. Like if yeah. you're not sweating at the end of your warm up, it didn't do its job. And then he got like really upset and was like, no, like this is way outside of my level. Like I, I I'm going to go find something else to do. And I'm like, I gave, I sent you base warm ups. If you feel like the warm ups are too difficult, like we can adapt them and like tell you where to start with it all. Yeah. Like one, you paid for a personalized training program, but here, let me hop on a call with you. I can like complimentary, I'll take you through this, but you also just paid for a here. I I just want you to write up a program for me. So unfortunately it doesn't come with as much of the full, you know, let me tell you how to get into everything, but I was going to do it. So he's like, I'm just going to find something else. And it, it, it really concerns me that somebody gets so frustrated about mobility and warmups that they would much rather just skip over all of that and go straight to lifting weights. And it's like too many people do it, mm-hmm. but like, especially in obstacle course racing, the mobility work, the warmups, those are like basic things that you're going to need to get through all of the different obstacles. Like, I know you, you're not the biggest fan of yoga, but that child's pose that you love to do, that's stretching out your shoulders. That's yeah. going to help you to get more range of motion. So you can swing across a multi-rig or a monkey bars. And like, if I tell you to go do some bear crawls, some crab walks, whatever else, you know what that is, that's getting you through a barbed wire crawl. 
like there's so much more functionality to these warmups and this mobility work than just stretching out your body. It's literally connecting all of the dots to make sure your body is moving successfully in every which way. Well, I think too many people look at like they see people, you know, I mean, even like the Marvel superheroes that we see, you see Thor, you see all those guys and they're Mm -hmm. just jacked. And it's like, in all reality, I mean, if you if I was to look at all the Marvel superheroes, the one that I'd want to be most like is Ryan Reynolds. One, because, I mean, he's Ryan Reynolds. And I mean, I yep. would switch teams for Ryan Reynolds, just saying, but he he's mobile. He's he's functional fitness. And we've yep. talked about this before. I love the functional. I don't want yep. to be jacked. I want to be. Yeah, functional. yeah, definitely. And I mean, most people with muscle mass have less mobility. It is possible to have muscle mass and functional mobility. You just need to know how to go about doing it. And that's where your mobility work comes in. I'm a big advocate for animal flow. You know, it's basic movements of a bear crawl, a crab walk, you know, different kinds of ape walks and whatever else where you're moving your body in a 360 degree fashion. Because no matter what we're doing on course, nothing is straight you know, forward or, or side to side, you have to be 360 degree in every single thing you do. So we need to be moving our body 360 degrees. I hate saying the word stretching and flexibility to clients, because in all reality, if you tell somebody to go stretch, or you're not flexible, that just means that your body doesn't bend in one particular way, a certain way. Mm-hmm. When in all reality, mobility means your full well-rounded movement with elongation and yeah it's a little bit of flexibility but it's more about your body's ability to move through that range of motion instead of just go to a certain point yeah and it also you know like you're saying with the mobility a lot of times there's a workout that goes with that so it's it's Mm -hmm. functional movement it's functional fitness and it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about that they just want to go pick up weights and lift heavy and it's like cool but like you said how is that going to help me in a spartan race if i build you know my muscles up too much in my arms now they don't move right and i can't do monkey bars i can't do those you know it's you've got to have the functional fitness i mean i'm not Mm -hmm. saying lifting weights is bad i'm just saying that alone is bad oh 100 and i'm you know i've been a weight lifter the you know for my entire adult life i love lifting weights that's what I gravitate towards Mm -hmm. most, but I mean, I was a gymnast. So for me, my training has always been very movement-based and a lot of strength training, a lot of that functional strength training is mobility mixed with strength. And that is the beauty of mobility work. It's not sit and hold a stretch. It's work the full range of motion. And then maybe you add in a little bit of extra resistance. I mean, in body weight work, gravity is our resistance. You're moving through your given range of motion under resistance. If you're deadlifting, if you're, you know, doing some squats, you have that extra resistance get and gravity is pulling down and you're working through your given range of motion. If you notice your range of motion is decreased with added weight, then you work through that. And as you build up more strength, you gain more range of motion. Strength training is mobility work, Mm -hmm. but you need to be very conscious of keeping that range of motion consistent throughout. And a lot of people lose that mobility as soon as they go into the strength realm. And it's like, 
it all has to work together. Yeah. So for that individual, I said, you know, you don't have to start the strength training program today. Spend a couple of days just getting used to the mobility because for him and for a lot of people, that mobility work is your workout. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to work your body weight, mobility, range of motion before anything else. Sorry, I have a... Hey, you have a what? My... My mom is attempting to call me. Oh, it's always good. Hi, mom. Oh, my gosh. Stop. (laughs) Technology is amazing. Yeah, and I'm, like, hitting buttons, and it's not working, and, oh, yeah. (laughs) Fun times. But, yeah. I can edit that. Um, Yeah, I I try to tell everybody, you know, start with the mobility. Yeah. If you can't handle that mobility... Why do you think you can handle adding external resistance? Yeah. And that's it. I mean, it's one of those things, mobility and everything else. It's like, you know, I mean, that mobility, one, it's going to give you that functional strength. And two, you're going to have less likely to get injured, you know, Mm -hmm. because most injuries come from the fact that our muscles, we try moving them in a way that they don't stretch far enough. And then all of a sudden, eh, bad things happen. And now we got tears and other stuff like that. And, you know coming back from an injury is way worse than just preventing it. You know, 100%. you know, I've come back from a few we've talked, we've talked about in the past, my foot injury, you know, I have a knee that's, that gives me issues and stuff like that. And I mean, because of those, like you said, I end up compensating when mm-hmm. I said they start bugging me. And then all of a sudden I start having more problems. I always notice my knee starts to hurt. I'll start having hip pain on the other side you know, within a couple of days because I'm compensating and I'm not running and I'm not moving the correct way and it's causing pain in other places. And like you said, a lot of times, you know, you kind of have to look at how everything links together because, you know, lower back pain might be something from your feet, might be something from your ankle and, you know, and it's all those weird things. hundred percent. In grad school, I linked a volleyball player's lack of big toe flexion to her lower back pain. As soon as we had her increasing her range of motion in the big toe, she could jump off of her big toe instead of the side of her foot and her back pain went away. As soon as she stopped stretching that big toe, it came right back. And a lot of people don't understand the correlation between it all. And that's why finding somebody who understands full biomechanics is such a great asset in training. One of my clients today, she emailed me. She's been dealing with a lot of like shin issues, you know, feet and shins, calves, all that lower leg stuff. Um, She's trying to find the right shoes. And she herself is a personal trainer. She came to me and, you know, she wants to get better with racing, but she also wants to continue to improve all of these other things. She said, went to my doctor And, you know, he got me into custom orthotics. I told him that I have a pair of ultra running shoes that I really want to transition in. Her and I have talked about it. I told her, you know, we're going to take it very slow. We're Mm -hmm. not going to go from, you know, eight millimeter to zero. Um, I gave her, you know, my own personal experience where I transitioned to zero drop over the course of a year. You know, I took six months for trail. And then after the season, I took six months more and I got into road zero drops. And then it took me a whole nother year of wearing zero drop where I was spraining my ankle every single month. 
because my ankles just weren't used to the lack of stability within the shoe. They weren't used to running in that zero. And I had to train all of my ankle stabilizers in the shoes and barefoot. So no matter what I was stepping on, um, they, they were adjusting. And since then, I haven't sprained my ankle in over two and a half years, knock on wood. I rolled my ankle just on Sunday on my 10 mile run. And, you know, it hurt for a little bit. And then I kept running, didn't lose stride at all. And within a couple blocks, it was fine. It didn't swell up. I feel fine today. I was able to go out and run again. Um, And so she comes back and she's like, you know, I told my doctor this and he just made some offshoot comment about how he's sick of fads and he doesn't think it's the right call to switch to zero drop and how it's going to exacerbate a lot of my problems. And he said, I just need to live in orthotics. She's like, I don't believe that you need to live in orthotics. I wrote back, I'm like, I I completely agree with you. Like we were born without shoes, you know, we, the cavemen were without shoes. We don't walk on the beach in shoes with orthotics. We don't walk around our house with shoes and orthotics. If you're going to go out to dinner and dress a little nicer, you're not going to wear orthotics. So why would we just rely on always having orthotics when it's not something that we're going to do? So it's much better to slowly work your body out of those and see if we can correct all of the imbalances that are causing you to get into those orthotics. They're not going to be the solution for everybody. They may work for a lot of people, but orthotics are just for people that might not have the time or the knowledge and the money to correct the underlying issues. We're always looking for that magic pill that's going to miraculously get rid of whatever's causing us pain. I don't want to treat the symptom. I want to correct the problem. Yeah. And that's the biggest key is, you know, you hit the, hit the nail on the head right there. Most people want not only just the, you know, the, the magic pill, but they keep treating the symptoms and nobody treats Mm -hmm. the actual problem. And that's what I see with a lot of things. You know, it's like, I get all the time when I lost all the weight and everyone's like, well, how'd you do it? What was your secret? And I'm like, my secret's no secret. It was hard work and diet. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. Well, then obviously you don't want to be skinny. I mean, it's, you know, and, and that's kind of it. It's like, if you want it, you've got, you've got to take it. You got to go get it. You have to do the work. You know, there is no, no miracle pill. I mean, there are some surgeries, some things that you can get that help you. And that's what a lot of people don't understand too. Those are a help, you know, mm-hmm. people who get the ba- gastric bypass, you know, nothing against anyone who does. If that's what you choose to do, that's fine. But remember that that is not the fix. 100%. That is a, that that is a help. And I've watched many people get that and think, oh, I'm going to do it. They lose weight really quickly. And then their stomach adjusts to the, you know, the small size and then boom, they go right back up. And it's like, because you did nothing to stay there. Yeah. I have one of my best friends. He, um, he's also a strength and conditioning coach. He was an offensive lineman. So he's a, already a big guy. He mm-hmm. was deadlifting like over 500 pounds a couple of years ago at his gym. And just like we all do, he scraped his shin on the bar. He ended up with MRSA and it triggered a bunch of like bone infections. And through it, they found some, um, some other like heart problems that have been hereditary. And he's 
it set this like entire like um ball rolling of heart surgeries and you know fluid retention and everything else to the point where he's been told you know you can't work out you you know you have to go on a diet this medical diet um you have to go to a cardiac therapist he's finally after three years of being told you're going to need weight loss surgery to save your life he's finally able to do it because even so much the littlest stress has caught caused him to have cardiac episodes and he has to keep his heart rate very low or else he could risk you know heart attack and death so in order to get his heart fixed he needs to lose weight but he can't lose weight because he can't increase his heart rate so those surgeries are actually meant to save lives there Mm -hmm. are people who quite physically can't work out and you know they're dieting and everything else it just doesn't work because they have so many other problems so yeah I know a lot of people will go and get like a weight loss surgery or you know they'll get something else that are that's elective but at the end of the day if you're not willing to put the work in it's only going to do so much those surgeries save lives but you have to be willing to put in the work after the fact. My friend is excited to be able to get this done so he can then go and he can work out again. He can, you know, get all of his problems fixed and he can get back into the active lifestyle that he's always lived. He can get back to coaching and, you know, spotting his clients. So, And and I've seen it work both ways. I've seen people, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I've seen people that have got it Mm -hmm. who, you know, they were, had major weight issues. They got it. They dropped the weight. And I know, uh, one's a coach now and coaches other people and all of that kind of stuff has turned her life into a coach. Amazing job. I mean, amazing work. If you met her, you'd be like, wait, you were how big, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's shocking to even know looking at her now. I mean, she's just as amazing. And I've seen a couple others that have had similar stories where they're coaches. And I mean, you look at them now, they're like, there's no way you were ever, even slightly overweight, let alone like they, they, these people were like morbidly obese. So they did, like I said, they got the surgery that helped them and then continued from there. And I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake is there's nothing, I mean, with injury, with weight loss, with all of it, there's no quick fix. There, there, there's maybe something that helps you get a little bit of a bump up, yeah. you know, give you a boost, but that boost is meant to help you continue the journey yeah I have one client and he is like bless his heart I I want clients that give me a hundred percent and he is giving me 150 percent every single day you know calling texting he wants you know to know what he should be doing and everything else so he when I started working with him he had no ACL. He was having biceps tendonitis in his shoulders. Um, He was having a lot of just chronic aches and pains. And he was going to, you know, a physical therapist for his shoulder, a physical therapist for his knee. He was working with me. He was working with another guy. And I'm like, hey, listen, like, let me help you. And let's find a way to correct all of this in like a functional way. So anytime he gets you know, aches and pains, it's, oh, well, my knee's bothering me again. So I need to take a day off or I can't run this week because my calves are hurting or 
whatever else. And I'm like, listen, you tore your ACL last year. You didn't get surgery. This, you had already torn that ACL years prior. You, you know, you're having elbow issues. You're having shoulder issues. How long have you been dealing with this stuff? And oh, well, it's been, you know, so long. Like you have put damage on your body for years. It is going to take just as long to come back from it. You know, yeah, we are working to fix your shoulders, your knees, your hips, your ankles, everything. But you have put so much damage on your body for all this time. Your body doesn't like to get uncomfortable. It doesn't like these aches and pains. So it is finding the most comfortable way to rest through all of this. So it's giving you bad posture. It's giving you compensations. In order to go back to where it was, you're going to have to go through those aches and pains in the reverse to get back to your anatomical position. You know, the popping, the cracking, the clicking that we all encounter, if it's not painful, it's normal. We have a lot of scar tissue built up. We have a lot of tendons, ligaments that are falling into grooves that maybe it doesn't always sit in because our body is looking for the most comfortable position. And that comfortable position is going to be, you know, forward rounded, seated, legs crossed, you know, all of these terrible positions for us, but because it's the most comfortable, it's the laziest, it's the most, you know, gravity dependent positions, we're just going to naturally fall into those. So even if we are looking to correct all of these imbalances, we have to still stay engaged when we're, you know, at work, when we're asleep, like subconsciously, our body is falling right back into that hunching, those comfortable positions. And you're resting again in a position where you have to work back through the aches and pains to find that anatomical position once again. So we need to be able to differentiate and say, yeah, th this is uncomfortable. It, it's bothering me. You know, I'm sore. I'm fatigued. There's this dullness. But when can we keep pushing? And when do we have to say, hey, this isn't okay. I need to take a true rest day or whatever else. And along with it, you know, when is true rest ever okay? In today's society, unless you're surgically repaired, no doctor is going to say, hey, I need you to sit in a shortened position. I need you to be completely immobile. So when we feel these aches and pains, why is our reaction always, oh, well, I shouldn't do that. I, I just need to stop what I'm doing. I can't do this. No, we need to maybe pull back a little bit, but then we can still move our range of motion, we can still get a little bit of muscle activations. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like we've always heard is, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the problem is people don't want to be uncomfortable. I have a lot of friends that will start getting ready to do stuff. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I don't want I can't do that because of this. Or Oh, you know, that makes you know, makes me my my body sore. And I'm like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Like right 100%. now, I mean, I'll be honest it sucks right now walking up and down stairs because what I did yesterday, but that was my own fault. You know, I did a race Saturday and then yesterday I went with a buddy and we did 
an hour swim, hopped on and did a spin class for an hour right after the swim and then ran on the treadmill and then did like core workout afterwards. So we had over three hours at the gym, you know, and my legs are smoked. Yeah. You know, but that's the way you're supposed to. I mean, that's part of the reason why, you know, my calf is bothering me right now is when I did the run, I was still wearing the shoes from the the, the bike, but it's, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable. If, if you're completely comfortable, you're not, you didn't do any work. You, you didn't, you're, you're not going to get any gains, whether it be functional or strength, if you, if you're not sore and there's not some uncomfortableness. Exactly. I mean, you can talk to any athlete in the world. There is going to be some aches and pains that just naturally come with your training, your sport of choice. You know, you, you're going to feel stiff at times. You're going to have cracking, clicking, popping occasionally. And it's about how you differentiate the signals that your body's telling you. This is why, you know, so many people don't factor rest into their training schedule or they don't look at rest days as a training day. A rest day is just as important, if not more important than any kind of strength training day or running day or whatever else, because all of those aches and pains that we deal with, if your body is trying to rest in its most comfortable position and you know if you're working your calves and your shins are like oh well I'm super tight then it's going to cause your calves to spasm and if we just go straight rest and let it just you know try to relax when it's all balled up in this tense position it's gonna recover in that tense position and you're just setting yourself back even further I was talking to my client this morning about you know his calves because we had a workout last week where I had him um, getting some carry practice and he decided to hold dumbbells and he was farmers carrying them as he was running and he's like you know after that those carries my calves are just on fire and we've been talking about midfoot striking and how much better he's getting it with his running gait and I'm like okay so your farmer's carrying so the weight is naturally going to be a little bit more behind you you can't really hinge forward as well as you can with maybe a sandbag or something that you're carrying you know across your shoulders or in front of you like were you heel striking he's like probably like well that's why your calves are bothering you and he's like yeah so I had to cut my run short on Saturday. I said, well, did you finish it off with the bike? No. Okay. Well, what have you done for your mobility? Okay. When did you do legs? Oh, I held off last week's legs until today. I said, okay, well, this happened on Thursday, Friday, you should have given me a heads up. And I would have said, instead of you taking Friday completely off, let's do more mobility in your ankles. Let's get some low-grade plyometrics, get, you know, your shins working, get your calves working. Let's, you know, get some more strength stability work because even if you are dealing with a lot of tightness, a lot of aches and pains, we still need to rehab it. We don't just let things sit in whatever state it currently is because it's in pain. You're in pain because you're creating some spasms. You're, you're 
utilizing your gait or your posture, whatever else, a little wrong. So if we can release the muscles that are holding that tension, when you do go to rest and recover, it's going to rest and recover in an elongated position a little bit more so we can alleviate those aches and pains. Which is always good. I mean, that's what a lot of people, like I said, rest. I'm, everyone will tell you, I'm the worst about rest. I mean, I've been, mm-hmm. I go on my stupid streaks where, like I said, I'm like 640 something. I don't know. I have to look again. I've, I'm a lot of days into the one mile a day, which a mile a day isn't much. Mm-hmm. But this year I've actually been since the first, I've ran a 5k a day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. that That's insane. Rest but is like- not my thing. Well, but I will be honest, there are some days that I consider my rest days. And that's where instead of running the 5k, I'll go walk a 5k. Yeah, you'll go walk it. And that is completely okay. I mean, we should be walking every single day, we should be moving every single day. I mean, I have one client that when he started training with me, he's like, I'm a crazy person. I just want to give you a heads up. I am doing a Murph a week for an entire year, one Murph a week. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. He's like, but I'm not doing it all vested. You know, when he had some issues that popped up throughout training, he maybe moved his mile run to a mile on the rower. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, he broke it down differently every single time. Like he's been very conscious about it all. I'm like, okay, just as long as you're very conscious and, you know, you don't, I, I would prefer that clients get one true rest day a week. But if you are getting active rest elsewhere and you're keeping your heart rate low, you're keeping your mobility up. Okay. I'm okay with this. Um, this guy have, in Washington by any chance? No, he's not. Okay. Cause I know a guy <laughs> in Washington that's doing that. I'm Murphy yeah. he, he's in Massachusetts. <laughs> um, but I I'm training a lot of people for upcoming ultras. And one of my clients is running Montana and I, programmed her out for her taper she was looking through everything and she texts me and she's like hey Megan like I'm looking over the taper everything looks really good um I just had a question about race week it looks like I don't have a rest day leading up to race the race and I I wrote back said thank you for asking um I have a very strict um program and the reason why I don't give you a true rest day leading up to a race is because I want your body to stay loose and mobile if you know that you go in the day before a race and you haven't gotten out you know worked your legs a little bit worked your heart rate you're coming in and your body has rested in you know, it's comfortable position and it could have taken in all this fatigue and shortened up the muscles. And then you're going to go in and your body might not be too happy with its current range of motion. When you hit 20, 25, 30 miles, everything's going to start to tense up. Like, so we just stay a little loose. Like the, the runs that you're doing on Thursday and Friday are very short. Um, listen to your body, but we want to keep you moving. If you're having aches and pains, we can throw it on a bike. We can do something else, but tell me what you're experiencing and tell me not just, oh, well, I have pain. I'm always going to say, how would you describe the pain? Because pain to everybody is 
has a different definition. So what exactly does it feel like? Where are you feeling it? Is it radiating somewhere? If you can differentiate between pain and discomfort, you're ahead of the game. And then you can start to decide, okay, this is a pain that I can work through versus this is something that I need to just stop. And and that's the hardest thing. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, most of us people that do these things, we do crazy things. We do things that most people are like, you're insane. You're yeah. stupid. Why would you do that? Like, you know, for me, I'm training for an Ironman, you know, a half iron. And what a lot of people don't know is actually a month before that, I'm doing back-to-back trifecta weekends. So, <laughs> at least it's not like last year where I did a trifecta weekend and then did the Ironman the very next weekend. So uh-huh. I'm doing back-to-back trifecta weekends. And then the month later, I'll be doing the Ironman. So it's kind of one of those things for me is I have multiple different goals in different places, but I still have that Ironman in sight. So I'm training hard for the Ironman knowing that most of that training should help me with my mobility on the Spartans and just to make sure to try not to injure myself while I'm enjoying the sunny, nice, beautiful weather in Hawaii on one of those. So, Yeah. I mean, it's really tough. And again, like we have it ingrained in our head that discomfort is pain. And that's not the case. I mean, one of the first things I'm, I was taught, you know, as an athletic trainer, it's the same as, you know, doctors, nurses, whatever else, we pull out a pain scale and say, how would you rate it from one to 10? And okay, how do you describe it? And based on the description of what you're feeling, then we can kind of differentiate, okay, is it muscular? Is it ligamentous? Is it, you know, neurological? And we can narrow down where that discomfort is coming from and pinpoint what is causing it. But not a lot of people understand that. So when I talk to my clients, I say, okay, one, how would you describe it? Is it sharp, shooting, numb, tingling, dull, achy? Does it radiate? Is it shooting up? Is it shooting down? And then from there, they're like, oh, well, it feels like I'm being stabbed. Okay, that's a bad sign. If it's a a sharpness, we don't want to work through that. If it's like numb, burning, don't really want to work through that. But if it's like fatiguing, your body's just really tired, or it's like, creeping slowly okay we want to be a little mindful of it but if it you know is instant when you start working out and then after a little bit it kind of fades away okay that tells me it's an overuse thing and your body's really tight it needs to be stretched a little bit better it needs a little bit more range of motion to find its natural position but that's something that we can work through to an extent as long as it's not again causing any sharpshooting, burning, tingling type of sensations. Um, But then also I say, okay, how would you rate that pain on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is, you just want to chop it off. And as soon as I say that to somebody, their eyes, you know, get wide and they're like, that's insane. I'm like, well, but that's what a 10 is. 10 is supposed to be maximum pain. If you're screaming saying this is a nine out of ten I'm like really you would you're that close to just wanting to chop your limb off or you know 
it's so incredibly intense. And then it's suddenly like, oh, well, it's a five or it's a six. And like, if a pain is like five, six, seven, okay, maybe there's still some room in there. So maybe it's not hindering you as badly as you think it is. And that that's another thing that we want to take into account. Like, is it more of a mental thing or is it more physical? And especially, I mean, you and I know as endurance runners, if you've been in the ultra game, if you've done these excessively long events, your mind plays tricks on you and you need to learn how to shut off the mind and just pay attention to the body. So we do these body scans and say, okay, where are we feeling issues? You know, if depending on what shoes I'm in, maybe my arch is, you know, aching a little bit more than it would in the last pair of shoes I was in, or my turf toes flaring up. Okay, well, I've dealt with that for so long. Yeah, it's not the most comfortable, but it's not hindering my gait. So I can keep going. Okay, next, I, ankles up. I've rolled them a couple times, but there's no pain. I can keep going. Knees. Oh, well, my IT band's kind of sort of starting to bother me. Pay attention to it and see if it gets worse. That kind of stuff. But you know, for the average Joe, first time Spartan, whatever else, they may say, oh, wow, no, this really hurts. I, I, I'm feeling, you know, this sharpness in my shoulder, but then it's like, is it sharp or what happens to it? And how can we differentiate between it all? Because we are going to get a lot of soreness in our shoulders, in our forearms, in our hips, in our knees, in our ankles. It's just the nature of the beast. And it, obviously it's easy on course to say, well, we just have to get to the finish line, but then can we go right back into training or are we going to say, that Spartan race made me hurt so bad. I need to take one, two weeks off. Well, no, because now all of that, those aches and pains, they're shortening your muscles in ways that you've never worked on before. And it's just going to add on damage in ways we don't want. Yeah. And that one to two weeks turns into one to two months. Exactly. Most time. And then that, and that goes farther on. So, and yeah. it's one of those things I, I can talk about that, like with, with the, with the, running and all that when I first started running and everything I would get and it used to people used to crack up I talk about my my calves just right on that verge of cramping and just hurting so bad and they're mm -hmm. like are you going to be okay I'm like give it another mile no they'll open up and they're like really and I'm like this is every run for me yeah. when I first yeah. started running that's what it was I just knew my body my calves were going to be angry for about a mile or two sometimes a little longer but then after about mile three they would just start opening up and then they were fine for the rest of the race and it's just 100%. like percent that's, That's every endurance run for me. Three miles. I'm like, my, oh, my calves are really tight. Like, especially if I run one day on trails and the next day on roads, like, okay, my calves are really tight. My glutes are slowly waking up. And then after three miles, I'm good to go. But, you know, that's Quite me. Five days my so rough because you're just getting in. Yeah. And like an endurance run, my stride is shorter. My pace is lower. I mean, again, I, I'm just trying to find that comfort zone and my body, it needs to get a little bit more warm. But again, this is why, you know, yeah, I can lead new Spartans to where I have training, but I 
don't necessarily want to train somebody who's just looking for one race because as soon as they you know finish cross that finish line at Killington they're like I'm done whereas you know my client that signed up for the Montana Ultra she was looking at the schedule and she's like I see I have a 20 minute run the day after the ultra I'm like yeah that's like your shakeout run that's making sure that your body isn't recovering in like this really shortened position and to make sure that you don't have these aches and pains and this, these overuse damages. And she's like, okay, so then would you be able to help with what I should be doing? Like in the weeks after I'm like, yeah, we're going to have a recovery week. Like we're going to ease you into a bunch of stuff again, but you know, first time Killington racer who says, I just need to get through Killington. They're not thinking, oh, well, what do I do on Sunday? Or can you help me with the week after? Because they're like, hey, I crossed that finish line. I'm good. I'm yeah. on to my next adventure. And that's the tough part. Because I mean, that's one of the things why a lot of people are surprised. Like why I, I like the, the multiple weekends where I have like two races in a weekend where I have the big race on Saturday and then Sunday, either one or two shorter races. And they're like, why? I'm like, because Sunday's active recovery for me. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. moving. I'm still getting everything going. I'm getting the blood flowing into those muscles. And then, you know, it's like everyone cracked up because last year I did the Hawaii trifecta weekend. And then all of a sudden Monday rolls around and I'm running like a 10K and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah. keep my muscles moving, you know, and one, it's gorgeous running in Hawaii. I mean, why wouldn't you? But, <laughs> you know. I found the greatest right. little trail right off our hotel in Alawai, just right down there yeah. now. But it's one of those things that, you know, that's just the mindset I've gotten into is I, I've done those races and I know what you mean. It's like you hurt more and people don't realize this by doing the race and then like just laying on the couch for three days afterwards going, okay, I'm, I got three days of recovery and I'm going to sit on the couch and eat potato chips and, and junk food for three days. And I'm like, I hurt more after that than if I next day got up and ran again. Exactly. Every single ache and pain we experience, whether it's from a tough workout, a tough race, you know, staying stagnant for too long, those are stimuli for different parts of what we're doing. You know, if you're excessively sore after your first workout of not working out for a while, that's your body saying, haha, why did you stop doing what you were doing? This is you know, that you did something right, but I'm going to congratulate you by making you very sore, very stiff. If you don't move because you're too sore, too stiff, it continues to hurt. But if you get mm -hmm. up, you move and you stretch and everything else, it slowly flow. goes away. And then if you keep doing what you're doing, it's not going to come back on as strong. If you're really sore after a race, that means you did something you weren't prepared for. If you're really stiff or you have aches and pains after runs, okay, maybe you were running on a terrain you weren't used to, or your stride is changing a little bit. Hell, you might've had to deal with, you know, incline, decline. That just wasn't something natural for you. I have one client that says, he, he does not want to run on trails ever said my calves are just way too tight whenever I run on trails and I have, I, I can't walk for the next week because my calves are just so sore from running on trails. I said, we race on trails. Why would you not want to run on trails? Like that soreness is your body adapting to the changing terrain. 
if you're running on a road, you're most likely not tripping over branches and rocks. You're not having to use your ankle stabilizers quite as badly, but also trails are softer on your joints. So you could be getting a little bit more forgiveness from your calves, but now your shins have to work a little bit more and so on and so forth. It's like every single stimuli you're getting from your training, your racing is saying you either did something right or you did something wrong. And that's where we need to differentiate. Is this uh, I did something right or is this a, I did something wrong? No matter what, there is a way to train through it in a way to accommodate and help it out. No matter what, you have to increase your mobility work, you know, get more active recovery, focus on that range of motion, focus on the rehab, the stability. And then from there say, okay, this happened because I haven't been doing this or this happened because I've, my body is adjusting to doing this. Yeah, and it's one thing I like about where I live right now, the trail the, the, where I go run, it's two miles of pavement to the trail. Mm-hmm. And then once I get on the trail, it's about depending on how far I want to go, three, four, five miles, whatever down the trail, I get trail running and then I get two miles of pavement on the way back. And there's a couple spots in the middle there where I hit parts of the trail that are paved. So it's like I go back and forth between all of them and I kind of find that's the best for me because I kind of get the because I do do trail races. It's just, I also do road mm-hmm. races. So yeah. it kind of gives me a mix of both. Because the one thing I found is when I first started running, I made the mistake. All my training was on a treadmill. Yeah. I was running constantly on a treadmill and I'm like, yeah, I can get down to like 28 minute, you know, 5Ks. This is going to be great. I went out and ran my first 5K on a trail and about halfway through every part of my legs was on fire. And I'm like, I don't get it. I run like this all the time. And then it's like, oh, this is completely different terrain. Now I'm using, you know, like you said, the ankle stabilizers, everything else, because now I'm running on a trail and I'm having, you know, it's not even the same footing every time. And that was a huge, huge, you know, wake up call to me of, oh, I need to go outside and run too. Yeah. And again, not a lot of people realize that. I mean, so many people either stick to treadmill running or they stick to road running. I hear a lot of clients say, I don't want to run trails because, you know, my heart rate gets jacked up so much faster and my pace is so much slower. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen on race day? Yeah. Um, I mean, already I tell my clients, we don't focus on pace when we train because your pace on a trail is going to be that much slower. If you are training at a seven minute mile on the road, and then you're pushing yourself on a seven minute mile on the trail, you are about to blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, go out to a trail, you know, yeah, you're going to work a bunch of different muscles that you haven't been working on the road, but then you're also going to get different training stimuli in your breathing and your heart rate control you're just going to notice so much different going on, but in a good way. So we can't continue to fear the unknown. You know, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and we say it and it's so cliche, but it is, but it's true. Everything about this sport is getting outside your comfort zone. It is. I mean, this is why, you know, there's so many people that don't come away from Spartan or whatever else because they like the familiarity of the Spartan obstacles or, you know, people that only run 
Disney races because they like the familiarity of road running at the Disney parks and there's no pressure. And it's like, no, but we, we need to get, push ourselves outside of that comfort zone and really challenge ourselves. Because if we stay stagnant, we're actually just hindering ourselves. We're continuing to regress. We want to continue to pr- progress, push forward, challenge that comfort zone. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing, like I mentioned mm-hmm. a few people that I really noticed when, you know, right during COVID, you know, I lost all the weight, dropped all the weight. I was running like mad. I was doing all sorts of stuff, you know, a lot of cardio, a lot of dieting, a lot of everything else. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I'm 180 pounds. I'm going to go run a Spartan race and do it uncompetitive. I failed more obstacles that day than I have in most of my open heats and everyone's like why and I'm like because I focus so hard on the running and the cardio I hadn't lifted anything heavy or tried an overhead obstacle or anything like that in over a year so all of a sudden it's like oh hey hang I was able to do the monkey bars but most of the other hanging obstacles I had problems because I wasn't used those muscles hadn't been used in a year so you have to mix it up. Like I said, that's yeah. why I like mine where I can hit road, trail, sidewalk, everything all in one. That's why I kind of set it up the way I did. So I could hit them all at once in one trail to be ready for them all. And then I also use the treadmill and then I do, you know, every, mm-hmm. a bunch of different things, you know, and right now doing the tr- training for the triathlon, I'm getting the, the upper body strengths coming back from the swimming and everything else, but I still mm-hmm. go do heavy lifting. I still do car, you know, core work, mm-hmm. everything else, because I know if I just mm-hmm. focus on, you know, just the, the, the swimming, biking and running that it's not going to help me in the Spartan races. It's not going to help me anything else. And I'm not going to have the real functional fitness that I want to have. Even still that we need strength training to be able to run, swim, bike. Yep. Like your body needs the muscle strength. It needs the muscle endurance. I mean, one of the biggest things I tell pretty much anybody when I meet them is, you know, training on your own, you only train what you know. Yes. If you know it, it, it's not going to be a weakness. You're never going to train your weaknesses if you only train what you know. You have to get uncomfortable in order to get uncomfortable. You have to get help. You have to learn how to you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone. And you're not going to do that by just training what you know, or what you think you know. So asking somebody, oh, well, I have this ache, pain, soreness, whatever else. Is this okay? Or what should I do with that? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, hey, I can't do this exercise. How can I make it right for me? Or, oh, this was too easy. Okay, well, let's make it harder by doing X, Y, Z. We always need somebody in our back pocket to to converse with and say, okay, what more can I do? Or, you know, what can I do because of X, Y, and Z? And that's why you want a trainer or a friend to train with. It's like, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing I got to start looking at again, but um, I've been training with a friend and like yesterday we were at the gym and all this and we're like, okay, let's go to the core workout and a bunch of the core workout stuff that he's like, let's do it. I'm like, I've never really done this. Yeah. I have all the equipment in my gym, in my personal gym at home to do it. And I'm like, I just never really thought about this, you know, and a couple of more ones I did like doing push-ups with the, the, I always forget what that's called. The balance, not the the ball. 
yeah, the Bosu doing push-ups with that upside down and a couple other things. And it's just like, I'd never, I've done the push-ups. I've done, you know, uh, planks on the Bosu, but I've never done like he was doing squats on standing mm-hmm. on it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's just stuff I never would have thought of, you know, and you yeah. get that by working with other people. Yeah, exactly. One of my clients emailed me today and she was saying, you know, this workout, the new workouts completely, you know, destroyed me. I can see how the max strength a couple of months ago mixed with the power that we just finished up and now moving into obstacle specificity, I can see how it all translates and it is making me so much stronger and more explosive in all of the obstacle technique because we built the foundation, we built the biomechanics, Mm -hmm. we worked all of these different aspects. So when it came time to put it all together and do the work needed out on course, it was all there. You know, there's a method to the madness. You Mm -hmm. know, I always say, trust the process and more and more of my clients in their first year coming back and saying like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize my own potential. I finished this race and I could have gone faster. I just hit a hundred percent completion. I, I never beat these obstacles before and they felt so easy now. It's like, it, it's because you got the help. We figured out the weaknesses and then we continued to work them in a way that wasn't just going to improve the weaknesses, but it was perfect for your body because not every single person is at the same point. So if we can identify your starting point or identify a specific variation for you, it's going to still translate into the same way as everybody else. I'm not going to tell a client, Hey, go strap 25 pounds on your pull-ups. If you know, you can't even reach a full dead hang when you are in the bottom of your pull-up. Like we, we want to figure out where each specific starting point is for a person. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we continue to build and build and build and build. So if you just see a training program that says, you know, pull-ups, well, where do I start with that? If you just assume pull-ups and say, I can't do a pull-up, so I can't do this program, then you are cutting yourself off to so much more potential that everybody can do a pull-up. You just got to find the right variation. And that goes for every single exercise. If you can't do a base movement, talk to somebody and say, Hey, I can't do a pull-up. How do I get the same training effects for me? I can tell you a thousand different ways, maybe not a thousand, but I could tell you a good variety of regressions for a pull-up to get every single person doing a pull-up in their life. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is a lot of people got to remember too, they hired a coach for a reason. Mm-hmm. Listen to the coach, understand it. It's like when I first, you know, I, I worked with a friend of mine as, as my coach, you know, during the weight loss. And that was one of the things I worked on was I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm doing great at like the running, but I, everything else is starting to have problems because I don't do it. I just run. And, you know, they had me start, you know, doing a lot of leg lifts and, you know, lifting, you know, doing a lot of work with my legs. And I'm like, my legs are great. I mean, why? But I'm like, okay, I'll listen to you, do what I want. And they even warned me, they're like, hey, your times are going to slow down for a little bit. And I'm like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll trust you. But then all of a sudden, 
they slowed down for a little bit. And then all of a sudden I shot past every goal, you know, every PR I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, work that and you're going to slow down a little bit, but then it's going to come back. And as a, a lot of people have problems, if I hadn't trusted my trainer and just been like, Hey, my time is slowing down. This is a problem. I'm done with this shit. That would have been an issue. But because I was like, okay, no, I'm going to trust my trainer. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I saw those gains and that's where a lot of people have their issues. Like you said earlier with the one guy who's like, Oh no, this is way too, this is way too hard for me. You, you know, we can't do this instead of saying, Hey, this seemed a little more difficult than I wanted. What would you suggest? Should we adjust it? Should we do this? Should we do that? Trust your trainer. If you don't give them the, the feedback, your training is only as good as the feedback you give the trainer. Exactly. And again, like not somebody to train a person for their first race. If you are going to come to me and you want a personalized program, but you don't want the guidance of coaching, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there saying, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you bring your car into the shop. Your mechanic isn't calling you personally and saying, Hey, just wanted to check in to see how your car's running today. Like it, but if you notice a problem, if, you know, your car's making a noise or it's not running smoothly, you call them up and say, hey, this is what's going on. What can we do to fix it? Same thing. If you are noticing that an exercise isn't working as good as you would hope, reach out to me. I'm not going to say, oh, no, well, you you paid for a personalized program. Like, I'm not going to help you. Like, no, I want you to get the benefits out of training. Ultimately, all the clients that get results get them because we work in a partnership and the, the hap, you know, the more results you get, the happier I am as a coach, because you're going to come back to me and you're going to continue to see continuing results. My training speaks for itself, but I want to share all of the success stories. So if you're doing it on your own with my program, I still would love for you to say, this exercise isn't working or, Hey, I'm getting this ache and pain. What more can I do with it? How can I modify this? And I will, you know, I'll change the exercise. I'll give you new modifications. I'll tell you how to switch it up. It's not always going to be a, Oh, just drop your weight or add more weight that there is a specific methodology behind it all. And there are going to be some weeks where it's like, oh my gosh, the weight that I've been using for the past two weeks, it feels really heavy and I couldn't finish out the sets. Okay, we want to be pushing to fatigue on these sets. Or if you felt like you did could do more reps, maybe you need a harder variation or you need a higher weight. But tell me these things so we can figure it out. Don't just always assume that some, you're going to get the results that you want based off the program. If there's a disconnect between, you know, the variation or something going on with your body. And that's so true. I see so many people buy the, like the cookie cutter programs, which mm -hmm. like I've said before, I have no problem. The cookie cutter programs work for you. I'm great, but they get you to a certain point and that's it. Yeah. And like, I had major issues. I, I got the cookie cutter programs and I wanted to try them, but a lot of them had a lot to do with jumping and stuff like that. And at the time I still had the foot injury and I'm like, jumping hurts a lot. Yeah. You know, and it took me a while to get that mobility back in my foot. And I had to lose a lot of weight and do a lot of other things to get that mobility back. But working with a coach that I'm like, hey, I have this massive injury that I had. 
that I haven't completely recovered from, even though it's been four or five years. And then they were able to work with me on how to break that up, get that scar tissue moving, get the movement back that I needed that I'm not going to get from that cookie cutter program. But from someone, you know, talking to someone, hey, you built me this program, I'm having this little bit of an issue. You're not going to be just like, well, like you said, I sold you the program. Good luck with you. Have fun. Have a nice life. Right. No. I mean, I have cookie cutter programs. I don't like using them. I mean, that's what my ultra training is. And I tell everybody, if they ask me, like my programs are like base position programs. So I don't know what equipment you have, but if I say you're going to be doing a clean, it could be a sandbag. It could be a kettlebell. It could be a barbell. It could be dumbbells, whatever you have access to. But if you feel like you need a little bit more challenge to it, you can reach out to me and say, Hey, like, I love this, but what more can I do with it? I'd say, make that a single arm clean or whatever else. And all of these base positions have so many different modifications. And sometimes you just need to find the right modification for you. Just like mm-hmm. everybody has a different cue. You know, if you say this is the problem that's going on, or if you send me a video, I'll say, you need to do this, this, this. The cues that I like to use are this, this, this. And if you can find a cue that resonates with you, there you go. Oh, yeah. And that and that's what's great about having a real life coach is, I mean, someone who it might be a cookie cutter program, but it's a cookie cutter program that you built and I could reach out to you and say, hey, rather than most of those other ones, it's just a random mass produced. Mm-hmm. That's going to work for maybe like 60, 70% of the properly population to lose weight, build a little bit of muscle, but it's not going to work directly for you. It's like a diet. Yeah. Some diets work great for some people and not for others, you know, and that's one of the things you got to watch out for is each one of us has different bodies. We have different injuries. We have different, you know, ways that we've worked our body. They're all completely different. So those cookie cutter programs will help, but they should never be there. I don't exactly. And I've had that conversation with so many clients, whether it's about diet or training or whatever else. And I say, you know, we all have different things going on, you know, whether you have an autoimmune disease or you have some kind of food allergy or a compensation and overuse injury. If you just want a cookie cutter base, everything, it's not factoring in the differences in our body. So yeah, I can give you a clean and press, but that's, you know, me just saying, go clean and press. I'm not taking into account how great your shoulder mobility is, but me as a coach working with a client, I would say, okay, let's hop on a call. I want to see your shoulder mobility. Oh, your shoulder mobility. Isn't that great. I'm not going to have you press overhead with a, a barbell, but I can have you safely press overhead with a single arm and then also work you in against gravity to improve your shoulder mobility. So then we can work our way up to a barbell overhead press. Not everything is takes all of that into account. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that. Mm. Not everything is straight out of a textbook. We have put so much damage on our body through all of our years on earth. We are not the anatomical position that we were when we were born. We are not in that baby stage where our squats are supposed to be perfect. And, you know, we can crawl in all directions on hands and knees. Like that's not who we are anymore. 
And all those cookie cutter programs just assume you are that anatomical position. Mm-hmm. Find somebody to just help get things adapted to you. And remember, all those aches, pains, training adaptations, it is all just us trying to get your body back to an anatomical position. And you got to go through it if you've already been through it. We got to get you back to square one, just like an out and back run. You know, you're going to pass by the exact same streets. There's never a, you know, 360 degree path to get you back to the start. It's always 180. Yeah. And that's it, you know, and it's one of those things. And the other thing too, is like, like we said, be, be honest with your coach. You know, yeah. I've seen so many people that are like, Oh yeah, I've had this coach for a while. And it's like, are you doing what they tell you to do? Well, mostly. Are you telling them that? Well, you know, it's like, okay, if you're not telling them what you're actually doing and then it, it's like, okay, it doesn't seem like the program's working. And it's like, is it not working? Cause the program isn't where it should be, or is it not working? Cause you're not doing it. You know, and that's what you see most of the time. People are like, well, this program's not working. And it's like, well, are you doing the full program? Well, you know, with this modification, or I skipped this, or, you know, I don't like this workout, so I just don't do it. And it's like, well, then you're not doing the real program. Yeah. And you, you know, have I, to communicate that. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing people don't understand. I mean, just with everybody else and all of our jobs, we have so much work on our plate for so many different clients and other, you know, duties that have to go on. We can't always be there, you know, helicopter parenting and saying, well, what's going on now? What's going on now? What's going on now? We, there's a level of assumption of, we gave you what you're supposed to do, go ahead and do it. And if something's not working, let us know. We can check in and But ultimately, if you're not giving us the info for us to see, there's only so much of what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, we can fit into our schedule. I mean, the way to look at it too, you hired a coach for a reason. Yeah. You know, to help you, not to do it for you. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest. Most people are like, okay, I hired you. Now do the workouts for me and make me skinny. And I'm like, "Eh, yeah, this is where validate what I'm already been doing or, you know, just appease me. I'm not going to hold your hand. This is going to be really tough work. And you need to give me that hundred percent and I will give you that hundred percent back. And that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So we, we're getting close to that hour mark. I think we might've actually passed. We might've actually gone past it. <laughs> probably did. And that's one of the things that's why, why I love doing this with you. Cause we can talk about this stuff yeah. and stuff that, you know, I mean, I, I, I love listening to what you say. Cause I mean, it just makes so much sense. And I mean, mm-hmm. I need to, I need to get out of my own mental issues that I've been having for a bit and start working a little harder. I know it I'm working for towards a triathlon, but I feel like I can be doing so much more to get myself ready, but yeah. Know, but we'll Honestly, we'll hit those those spots. I I love doing this because I love that aha moment within people. Like my clients, they've always told me, you know, how much they love working with me because I have a way of explaining things in the sense that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I could sit here and you know talk in all of these big sciency words and whatever else, but it's not going to resonate with anybody. Yeah. My goal isn't just to you know, give somebody a workout, it's to educate them. I want 
that light bulb to go off in their head and for them to be able to put together everything that they're doing and saying, this is the reason why, you know, I want everything to just make sense. So I love coming on here and talking about this stuff. It's just, it's easy and fun for me. So I could talk about this all day. I know, I know, but Don gets mad at us when we do that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, we will definitely, I mean, we're going to have you back. I mean, we're going to do this once a month just to, to keep everyone, yes. you know, up to date and talking to them. So, um, I can't wait to talk to you again. It'll be a blast. Definitely. So, anything you want to tell them in closing before we head out of here? Um, no, I'm just really itching to get back out on the race course. It's, oh, I, I know I, I ran fit, I ran Boulder Dash, but oh, I'm ready to really get this season started. I, I am too, but like I said, for me, it's more this year. Um, I've done a couple smaller OCRs. I've got a couple ones coming up in May that are some fun ones for me that I like out here on the West Coast, some local ones. But I, I, I'm really nervous about the triathlons because yeah. I push so hard to try and do those good. And I'm so bad with cold water. So, and I've got to get, you know, better with that. Don't get as focused on performance in terms of like push, 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 but just find that comfortable, uncomfortable spot. Just as you're going through it, don't look at somebody and be like, oh, they're beating me. Say, okay, how am I feeling? Do I have a little bit more? And that is what's going to keep you grounded and keep you moving because everybody goes out way too hard. You know, just... And find that comfortable uncomfortable and hold it yeah that's my biggest problem is when i go to the i notice it when i go to the pool i jump in and i start swimming like head on just yep. as hard as i can and then all of a sudden i'm like no wonder i'm winded like in less than 200 yards because yep. i'm just i'm going full on i gotta find that happy where i can just go and i just need to go for 45 minutes to an hour to get you know the mile 1.2 miles i'd like to be a little faster but 45 minutes to an hour that's been my i've been trying to keep that time in so when I do it, that I can do that because the bike I'm feeling comfortable with. If mm -hmm. I can get past the swim, you know, I run every day, so I'm okay with that. But the bike, I'm feeling more comfortable. I got a better bike. I've got it all, you know, set to me and everything else. And I've been doing spin classes. So I, I, I'm feeling more comfortable about the bike. And I think I got it this year. So we're going to see. And if it all goes well, maybe next year I'll go for a full Ironman. But. Oh, I, I think full is in your um, future. I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank I hope you. to talk to you again soon. Yes, um, we will definitely talk soon. All right. Good. <laughs> yep. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.